0: Well, as you can see, it's beginning to look a little bit like Christmas around here. We always decorate this place so that the Sunday, right after Thanksgiving, we are in full-blown Christmas mode. And why not? Christmas is my favorite time of the year, too, Chris. You don't have that all to yourself. That's my favorite as well. It's when we celebrate the arrival of the Christ child, the very one who would grow up and make it possible for your and my salvation, and that, my church family, is something we're celebrating. Amen? Today we're going to begin a Christmas series that we're titling Christmas, A Time for Hope and a Time for Healing. You all understand the first part of that title, A Time for Hope, because the Christmas story is the story of hope for all mankind. But you may not understand the second part of the title, a time for healing. So please allow me to explain from my perspective. In our current environment, with all the crazy things that are going on in our nation and and in our world, we're in serious need of some healing. And the one area where I believe that healing is essential is healing from our fears. I have never seen my church family or the body of Christ more gripped with fear than I do today. There are fears regarding this virus from hell that has taken far too many lives and continues to alter the way we live our lives. There are fears over losing your job should you choose not to take a mandated vaccine. There are fears that law and order are a thing of the past in the good old United States of America. There are fears over the direction that our nation is heading with rhetoric coming from the mouths of our government leaders that sounds to me like socialism. There are real fears over the insolvency of our government as Congress continues to borrow trillions and trillions of dollars that we do not have, and it leaves us, the people who pay the bills, wondering when it's all going to come crashing down. And you know, you may not be the kind of person that expresses your fears outwardly, but there are inner fears in all of us that we just don't want to talk about because everyone has secret fears. There's the fear of acceptance that if everybody knew the real you or the real me, they may not like us. That's a legitimate fear that a lot of people have. There's the fear of insignificance that my life, won't really matter. There's the fear of dying alone. There's the fear of, will my secret be found out? There's the fear that I'll never ever really be loved or find true love again. Of course, there's the fear of of losing it all. And then there are many, many more that I could mention. And as I talk about these fears, it is only fitting for me to point out to you that four times, In the first Christmas story, God says, do not be afraid. The angels said it to Mary. They said it to Joseph, to the shepherds, also to a priest named Zechariah. Today, we know that the birth of Jesus was good news because we now see what it all meant. But it wasn't necessarily good news to the people who heard it on that first Christmas. In fact, it brought about fear. Mary was afraid. Joseph was afraid. The shepherds were afraid. Zechariah was afraid. And even King Herod was afraid. The Bible tells us that the entire city of Jerusalem panicked with the news that the Messiah had been born. And what's interesting as I reread the Christmas story is the fact that you and I still deal with these same fears today. 2,000 years later, the exact same five fears that they dealt with on that first Christmas we're dealing with today, and why not? Because in many ways, 2020 and 2021 have been a real time of fear. It's been a rough road for many people. Over this span of time, every day, the headlines are about COVID deaths, violence in major cities, racial tensions at an all-time high, Islamic terrorism on the rise again. There's injustice. There's a refugee crisis at our border, and the list goes on and on. For millions of people this Christmas, instead of it being a merry Christmas, it's a scary Christmas. But church... The message of Christmas is simple. Do not be afraid. You see, I don't want you to fear. It's not God's will for you to walk around being afraid of anything. It's just not. So today, I want us to look at the Christmas story and allow it to show us how to defeat our fears that hold us back and keep us from being all that God wants us to be. So I quickly wanna go through five common fears that they dealt with on that very first Christmas. And then I wanna ask you, how do these fears apply to you today? And then I wanna show you the secret of ridding yourself of fear, and it's based upon what God told them to do on that very first Christmas. So let's start by identifying these fears that they had to face on that first Christmas. And the first one was one that Mary had to deal with. Mary had to face the fear of inadequacy. You know the story. One day an angel appears to this young Jewish peasant girl with no education. The angel says to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 28 through 33, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. That's the first, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Put yourself in Mary's shoes for just a moment. That encounter she just had would create a fear of inadequacy in anybody's life. I don't care who you are. There's a whole bunch of reasons why Mary would fear inadequacy. First, she's a teenager. In those days, they married as young as 12 years of age, maybe even earlier, I don't know. Number two, she's unmarried. She's a virgin. She has never been in a relationship with a man, so she doesn't know anything about this. Number three, she's engaged to a guy named Joseph. How is she going to explain this one to her fiance? Number four, she's told that the child is going to be the promised son of God. Talk about fear. You're gonna have to be responsible and raise the perfect child. Number five, how do you explain this to your mom and to your friends? If you were a mother and your teenage daughter came to you and said, Mom, I've never been with a man, but I'm pregnant, and my baby is from the Lord, how would you respond to that? Then they're taking a Roman census, and her fiance Joseph has to go to the town where he grew up in or was born in. So on the day before she delivers baby Jesus, the last day of her pregnancy, she has to go on a long journey on the back of a donkey. I don't know of any pregnant woman that would like to do that literally hours before her baby is born. Then she has to deliver her first child by herself in a barn with her husband or her fiance. No doctor, no mom, no sisters, no aunts, no midwife. On top of that, she had the lifelong task of raising the Son of God. So when you go back to her encounter with the angel, in verses 34 and 35, Mary asks a very natural question. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. How can this be? Seems like a reasonable question, wouldn't you say? You'd probably ask the same thing. I know I would. So Mary had to face the fear of inadequacy. Well, Joseph, her fiance, he had to face a whole different kind of fear. Joseph had to face the fear of disapproval. Imagine your fiance tells you she's pregnant. You know you haven't been with her in that way, and then she claims God supernaturally has has made me pregnant, and the baby is the son of God. How do you explain that to your business associates? How do you explain that to your friends? How are you going to explain that to the community? It's a small town. Everybody knows everybody's business. Gossip spreads very quickly, as you know. Imagine the ridicule. Imagine the shame, the gossip, the criticism that is going to be heaped upon Joseph. The wagging tongues are saying she's taking him for a ride. If he believes that story, he's nuts. She's got this guy hook, line, and sinker. Well, Joseph's first response to Mary's story was actually disbelief. I love you, honey, but I'm not buying your story. Matthew 1, 18 and 19 says it like this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph privately decides that he is going to quietly break off the engagement. And by the way, the engagement back then was totally different than the engagement today. So when it says divorce her, engagement was as good as being married in that culture. You have to understand that. He did not want to embarrass Mary because he loved her, nor did he want to create any kind of a scandal. Joseph's a good man, but he was just going to end it right there because of the fear of disapproval of other people, of the community. Matthew 1 through 22 says this, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, and here's the second time this phrase is used, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So just like with Mary, God has to tell Joseph not to fear. So let me ask you a question this morning. Whose disapproval are you afraid of? Let me put it another way. Whose approval are you living for? The Bible says that fear is a, of, of disapproval is, is literally a trap. In other words, the moment I start worrying about what you think about me, I'm dead in the water. The moment you start worrying about what other people think about you, you're going to miss God's plan for your life. God has a plan for your life, but understand, so does everybody else. They have a plan for you. you got to decide whether you are going to please God, or you've got to decide whether you are going to please people. Joseph could have missed out on the greatest blessing of his life, of being the privilege of being the stepfather of Jesus, the son of God. And if he had worried about the disapproval of people enough, he would have missed that. But he decided, I really don't care about what other people think. I'm gonna do this because it's the right thing to do. So Joseph faced the fear of disapproval. Next, there's another group of people called the shepherds. And they had to face their own fears. The shepherds faced the fear of of sudden change. Here's the picture. The shepherds were out in the fields watching over their flocks, the night that Jesus was born. They're an easy going bunch. They, they, they kind of take everything in stride. That night they had put the sheep away for the evening. They're sitting around the campfire. They're having dinner. I'm sure that they're probably talking and they're having a really, really good time. All of a sudden, the sky brilliantly lights up. You gotta remember this is before electricity. This is before electric lights or laser light shows or fireworks or any of this stuff that we're used to seeing in the night skies. They hadn't seen anything bright ever in the middle of the night. The sky lights up and it is filled with angels who are singing loudly in chorus. They've never seen angels. It scared them to death because their plans for a quiet evening were shaken up. There was this sudden change the Bible says this in Luke 2, 8-14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Would you be? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. There's the third time this is mentioned. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. I wonder, do you like to be caught off guard? I don't. And I really don't like it when my plans are changed by somebody else, do you? When you look at the dramatic way in which their plans were changed, with their adrenaline no doubt pumping while they're trying to take in all, with all their senses what is going on around them at that moment, you can really understand how uncomfortable this sudden change of plans was for these shepherds. You know, I've walked with God for over 25 years now. I'm a friend of God. And I know him better than I know you. I talk to him more than I talk to most of you. And yet, even though I have known God for that long, and that's a short time compared to how how long some of you have known the Lord, sometimes God will show up in your life, and it can be scary. He can bring a proposal to you, something he would like you to do, and you go, this doesn't fit into my plans. This isn't what David's plan for life was and it can be frightening. That's what happened here. There was this fear of sudden change, but God doesn't want to scare you. That's why he says, don't be afraid. So these shepherds had to face the fear of change. Well, there's another character in the story by the name of King Herod, who has to deal with panic at the announcement of Jesus' birth. And this is what he feared. King Herod faced the fear of losing control. Herod was the king of the Jews. He was actually the king of Judea, but he was hated by the Jews because he wasn't actually a full Jew. In addition, Herod was paranoid of losing his throne, he was paranoid of conspiracy theories. History tells us that he had his brother-in-law killed for fear of taking over the throne. He had his mother killed, he had his wife assassinated, and he had his two sons assassinated. Pretty paranoid guy, wouldn't you say? So naturally, when he hears that Jesus, the king of the Jews, is being born, he freaks out. He doesn't want his throne usurped, so he makes an order. And this is documented history. Herod orders the death of every male baby in Israel under the age of two years from being born to prevent Jesus from being born. And actually, Mary and Joseph are warned about this in a dream, so they take Jesus to Egypt. And Jesus spends his early years in Egypt, and they don't return to Nazareth until after Herod dies. But he was panicked. Matthew 2, 1, and 3 tells a story about his fear. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. Now, this this scripture does not have God telling him, do not fear, because this man is a pawn in, in, in the evil doings of what is trying to undo the life of Christ. You know, at Christmas, we sing the song, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, but it wasn't calm for Jerusalem. It got the whole city on edge. It got him nervous. Everybody's afraid. Mary's afraid. Joseph's afraid. The shepherds are afraid. Herod is afraid. The entire town of Jerusalem is as well. So what just happened here? Some important people from outside the country, they show up and they say the king of the Jews has been born. And immediately King Herod has to face the fear of losing control. Well, finally... There is a priest, an old priest named Zechariah who had worked in the temple in Jerusalem for many, many years. His wife's name is Elizabeth and Elizabeth happens to be the cousin of Mary. So when Mary gets pregnant, they did what they used to do to unwed and pregnant teenagers. They ship them out of town. They did this so Mary wouldn't have to deal with all the stigma and the gossip for nine months. So Mary goes to her her cousin's Elizabeth's home with her husband Zechariah. Elizabeth and Zechariah were good people. They are now up there in years. As a couple, they have prayed their entire married life for a child. But that prayer has gone unanswered. And they finally give up hope because they are far past childbearing years. And they realize that they're not going to have a baby. They were afraid to hope because they had been disappointed so many times before. Well, here's the fifth fear of that Christmas story. Zechariah faced the fear of being disappointed. Ever been there? It's a real issue. One day, God shows up to Zechariah at the temple. He sends an angel, and the angel says, Zechariah, you know that prayer you've been praying all of these years for a baby? Well, it's gonna happen now. You're gonna have a baby. It's gonna be a miracle boy. Even late in your life, your wife is going to get pregnant. You see, Zechariah had been disappointed so many times before. just didn't believe it. He doubted and he thought, I don't want to trust again. I don't want to hope again. I don't want to believe again. I've been disappointed far too many times. Some of you can relate to the fear of disappointment because it's literally held you back. Well, here's how Luke 1, 11 through 13 tells it. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, and here's the fourth time, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. So once again, on that first Christmas, God has to say, fear not. Are you getting this idea that God doesn't want you to be fearful? Whenever you are fearing something, you're not in God's will at that moment. By the way, Zechariah's long-awaited son, you may have heard of him before. His name is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner. He was the announcer of the Messiah who was coming, the greatest invasion in human history, God coming in human flesh. But before all of this happened, Zechariah had to face the fear of being disappointed. So let me ask you this morning, which of these five fears is holding you back this Christmas? The fear of inadequacy, I believe, is one that we can all relate to. It's that thing that asks, Am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Can I handle all the things that life is going to throw at me? Am I up for the task? Sometimes the fear of inadequacy comes so big that you just give up. You say, I'm not even going to shoot for my dream any longer because I just know deep inside that it's not going to happen. I can't handle it. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not as intelligent. I'm not as educated. I'm not as wealthy. I'm not as articulate as the next person. That is the fear of inadequacy. Maybe you're struggling with the fear of disapproval. You hate being criticized. You're thin-skinned, you'd rather go along than get along, to get along, excuse me. You hate the fear of rejection. You have become a people pleaser. You're not really living your life and you're not living the life that God intended for you to live. You're living a life to please everybody else. And it's exhausting. Some of you are trying to please your parents who died 10 years ago. You're still trying to prove that you're worthy. Listen, if you didn't get somebody's approval by now, I hate to tell you this, but you're never going to get it. But here's the good news. You don't need it anyway. You don't need anybody's approval to be happy. Happiness is a choice. And you choose. You can be as happy as you choose to be. Some of you deal with the fear of change. You hate change. You're stuck in the past and in the current, and you want nothing to do with moving forward. You say, I want things to go back the way they were before. I don't want things to be different because it makes me uncomfortable. But here's the truth that you've got to remember. The only thing constant in this life is change. If you get stressed out by change, you're going to be stressed out your entire life because everything changes. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, you cannot succumb to the fear of rapid or even sudden change or change at all. Maybe you have the fear of losing control. That's a big one. You don't want anybody messing with your plans. How do you know when you have the fear of losing control? Well, there's a warning light that goes off and and that warning light is called worry. Anybody familiar with this term worry? Worry means that at that moment you're playing God or you're trying to play God, you can't play God. You're trying to control the uncontrollable you're worried about something. But worry doesn't change anything. It can't control anything. Worry won't change the past, and it won't change the future. All worry does is mess you up today and prevent you from fulfilling what God has called you to do today. How do you know when someone is filled with the fear of losing control? They try to control everybody else. The more insecure you are in life, the more controlling you'll try to be of other people. So when you find somebody who's judgmental, they're judging you and everybody else and they're perfectionists and they're calling you to account and they're trying to control you, understand they can't even control themselves. And the more insecure, the more fearful I am inside, the more controlling I will try to be of you. But if I'm secure in my relationship with the Lord, I or no one needs to control you. I don't need to control your opinions. I don't need to control your behaviors. I don't need to control anything about you because I'm not worried about losing control because I've already given control of my life over to the Lord. Here's another one. How about the fear of being disappointed? Some of you have thought to yourselves, I'm never gonna let another man get close to me or I'm never gonna let another woman break my heart again. I'm never gonna go after that dream. I'm not even gonna try for that promotion at work because chances are I'm not gonna get it. I'm afraid to trust. I'm afraid to believe. I'm afraid to believe in God or give my life to God because I might be disappointed. I'm afraid to hope again. Which of these fears have you been dealing with? If any of these fears ring true in your life today, You really need the message of Christmas. Well, you've picked the right church to come to because I'm going to teach you some solutions about dealing with your fear. So how do I get the fear out of my life that keeps me from becoming all I want to be and all that God wants me to be and what he wants me to have? You do the things that God told them at that very first Christmas And if you do what God told Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and everybody else to do, your fears will dramatically decrease. And the joy and the confidence in your life is going to rise. Here's the first step. Every day, surrender your life completely to God. Say, God, I'm fearful, but I'm giving you the good and the bad and the ugly of my life right now and you start each day by saying those words to him. This is how Mary overcame her inadequacy. When the angel unloaded all of that stuff on her, she overcame her fear of inadequacy with this statement in Luke 1, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to accept whatever God wants for my life. In other words, I surrender my life completely to God every day. I am the Lord's servant. My creator made me. He knows what is best for me. He knows what will make me happy even more than I know what will make me happy because he's my creator. I am the Lord's servant. So I'm willing to do whatever God wants me to do with my life. Have you ever said those words to God before? God, you're my creator. Whatever you want to do in my life or with my life, I will cooperate with you in it. If you haven't said that, then you will find yourself often in constant tension. That's why you have fear. That's why you have anxieties, because God's going one way and you're going another direction. And that is a recipe for failure. So it creates fear in your life. But I want you to listen to this. God will never ask you to do something that he doesn't give you the power and the ability to do, no matter how big it seems to you. Everything seems huge at the beginning, but when you start looking at it, it's never as big as you think. But the point is he will give you the resources. He will give you the power. He will give you the ability to do that very thing he has asked you to do. God will never ask you to do something that he will not provide for you, the resources, the time, and the network, everything that you need to do what he has called you to do because God doesn't sponsor flops. We sponsor flops. We hit dead ends all the time with our plans, but God's plan does not have a dead end. Put your confidence in him and not in yourself. You got to just stop. You got to surrender your life completely to God every single day. Here's number two. Stop listening to the voices of fear. That means you're going to have to change what you watch, what you listen to, and what ideas you allow to get into that cranium of yours. If you want to move out of fear... You have to do that. You got to stop feeding fearful things in your mind. I'm talking about books. I'm talking about movies. I'm talking about TV shows, radio, internet, on and on it goes, because all around you are naysayers and negative people. In case you haven't noticed, we live in a pretty negative culture. I mean, let me ask you, is it easier to be positive or negative today? (laughs) Is it easier to be for something or against something today? I think you know the answer. It's easier to be negative and against stuff. And the internet just feeds that and it rears you in. And you just keep coming in, flopping fish, one right after another. You have negative voices all around you saying you can't do it, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not rich enough, you're not talented enough. You got all kinds of negative voices surrounding you. And often those voices are inside of you. So you have to stop listening even to yourself. Let me give you a little bit of a stress reliever. You don't have to believe everything you tell yourself. Because you lie to yourself more than you lie to anybody else. Sometimes you tell yourself things are good when they're not. Sometimes you say things are really bad when they're not so bad. You need a much more objective source of truth than just your own opinion. Because truthfully, that opinion may have come from the bad burrito that you ate the night before. (laughs) And understand this, you are not the final authority on the truth, nor am I. God is. We need an objective outside source because we often get it completely wrong. Let me ask you, how does it go for you when you follow your own instincts, when you follow your own way? Are you hitting dead ends? Are you meeting every goal? Are you having every dream fulfilled in your life? No, you're not. So you gotta stop listening to the voices of fear because fear is the opposite of faith. When you're walking in faith, you're not walking in fear. When you're walking in fear, you're not walking in faith. When, when you invite faith into the front door of your house, fear goes out the back door. When you invite fear into the front door of your house, then faith goes out the back door. The two cannot exist with each other. And the Bible says in Romans 14, 23, everything that does not come from faith is sin. Listen, fear is contagious. It's a communicable disease. If we get around fearful people who think the world is going to hell in a handbasket, guess what? You're gonna think the world is going to hell in a handbasket and you completely lose sight of the biblical portion of what this is all, what's going on right before our very eyes. You just have fear that is coming to an end and you're not even paying attention to what the word of God says is happening right before our very eyes. You get around angry people, you're gonna be angry. It's an old worn out cliche. If you want to soar with the eagles, you don't run with the turkeys. So let me give you some advice. If you really want to eliminate fear this Christmas, turn off talk radio. Turn off your negative TV news programs that you sit hour upon hour, mind bending information being thrown at you left and right. Turn it all off because they feed on crisis. And every day is a fresh new crisis. The standard in the newsroom is if it bleeds, it leads. That's what you start the show with. They're constantly feeding you negativity. Study after study has shown that if you have a regular diet of listening to inflammatory, negative, critical, fearful talk radio or TV shows, That's the kind of person you are going to become. Negative, critical, fearful, defensive, antagonistic. And if you want to be that way, then have at it, my friend. Keep listening to it. But I don't know about you, I personally would like to be a positive, faith-filled person rather than a fear-filled person. Another thing I would suggest is you start hanging out with people of faith. Get some new friends. It's a good reason to find a church like High Point and start attending it. Surround yourself with people of faith who have a more positive outlook on life rather than such a negative outlook on it. Can you imagine all of the negative and fearful voices that Mary had to block out of her mind? Can you imagine how those voices created all kinds of anxiety and fear and insecurity in her? Mary had to block out all of those voices in order to hear the voice of God so that she could fulfill her destiny. The third thing to do in overcoming fear, fill your mind with music that praises God. Praise is the antidote to panic, and worship is the antidote to worry. Why? Because when I'm scared to death, all my attention focuses on me, how I feel, how I look, how incompetent I am. You're totally focused on yourself. So to get rid of that kind of fear, you need to get your focus off of you. And you need to get your focus onto God. When you turn your focus on God, that is called praise. That's called worship. Worship is nothing more than focusing on God. And when you focus on how big God is, guess what? It shrinks the size of your little bitty problem. The closer I get to God, the more confident I'm going to be in the life. The further away I get from God, the more scared, the more frightened, the more insecure, the more worried I'm going to be because you lose fear when God is near. Remember that. When you're far away from God, it always depends on you, but it's never just up to you. It's never. God says, you don't need to be afraid. He says, I'll help you. So by focusing your mind on God through music, it shrinks the size of your problem and it enlarges the size of your God. It's simple, the bigger God gets in your life, the smaller your problems become. And any of you who have ever gone through a difficult season in your life and you listen to music that helped you to put your focus back on God, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. Did you know what Mary did when she was so frightened about the job that God had given her? She wrote a song. She sang it. It's called Mary's Song. It's actually found in Luke 1, 46 through 55. I'm not going to sing it because there's no music attached, but I'm going to read you the words. You can hum your own tune to this. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. It's no accident that Christmas has the most music of any holiday ever. No other holiday comes close to having more Christmas songs. There are literally thousands and thousands upon thousands of Christmas songs. They just keep getting played, why? Because at that first Christmas, everybody sang. Mary sang to get rid of her fears. Elizabeth sang to get rid of her fears. The angels sang, the shepherds sang. Even Zachariah writes a song, it's in the Bible. I highly recommend that you do that. Start listening to music that builds you up it doesn't tear you down. Music it that focuses on the solution, which is God and not your problem. Here's a fourth way to defeat your fears. Base your hopes on the promises of God. Let me ask you a personal question. What do you put your hope in? What gives you hope for next year? Well, I've learned that I can't put my hope in myself. I've learned that I can't put my hope in the economy I certainly can't put my hope in our government. I don't put my hope in political correctness or conventional wisdom or or public opinion or cultural values. I put my hope in what God has promised in his written word. Did you know that in the Bible, there are over 7,000 promises from God to you? And yet many Christians have never taken the time to read and learn and memorize even one of his promises. It would be silly going through life and not knowing what God has promised to do in your life. The reason you are fearful, the reason you are anxious, the reason you are worried is because you don't know what's in the manual for Christian life, God's word, the Bible. The Bible contains promises from God to you about your your finances, about you, about your health, about your family about your relationships, your career, your past, your present, your future, about forgiveness of sin and about eternal life. They're all there. But you don't know them and you can't claim them. They're like gifts that you've never unwrapped. It's like somebody writing you a million dollar check and you're never taking the time to endorse it and deposit it into your account. The fifth key to overcoming fear in your life is this. Stop listening to all the static and start focusing on what God has promised to do in your life. This is what gave Mary confidence. And, and Elizabeth noticed this in Luke one forty five, she said to Mary, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. She believed. And that's what gave this young peasant girl enormous confidence in an incredibly fearful situation. She believed that God would keep his word. When you start doing that, you will be blessed too. As a pastor, I want you to be blessed. It's why I do this. I want you to be fearless as you walk your Christian life. Psalm 56, three through four, David says this, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and I'm not afraid. In other words, I praise him for what he has promised to me. As I said, there are over 7,000 promises in the word of God. I don't have time to go through them. But if you've gone through life not knowing any of these promises, I'm certain that you've had a lot of worry. And you continue to have a lot of fear. You've had a lot of frustrations and fatigue and failure as well. Let me tell you about the greatest promise that's in the Word of God. It's the promise that when you die, you can go to heaven if you trust in the Son that God sent to us on that first Christmas. It's called the promise of eternal life. And it's found in John 3, 16, probably the most popular, well-known scripture in all the Bible. For God so loved the world. He did it out of love. He didn't do it out of anger. He didn't do it out of fear. He didn't do it out of judgment. For God so loved the world, that includes me. That includes you. includes you watching online. God so loved you that he gave his only son. That's what Christmas is all about. He comes to this earth in the form of Jesus Christ. That whosoever believes in him. Notice it doesn't say believe and be perfect. Or believe and never sin. It just says Believe. Whoever believes in him, that's the one condition, shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the best promise that anyone will ever offer you. Scott, will you, worship team, come forward. Help us close this down. Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for your sins so that you won't have to pay for your sins. He was hung on that cross so you can quit hanging yourself on a cross and feeling regret and resentment and rejection and shame and guilt and all those feelings that we human beings deal with. But Jesus didn't just come to this earth to forgive you of your sin. That's part of it. He didn't just come to this earth to get you to heaven if you put your trust in him. He also came to eliminate your fears and the here and in the now. This last verse up on the screen behind me is Hebrews 2, verses 14 through 15. It says this about Jesus. Since the children have flesh and blood, he, Jesus, too shared in the humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. The fear of death is a universal fear, ladies and gentlemen, because the last time I checked, the mortality rate in this world is still 100%. We're all gonna die someday. It would be foolish for us to go through life unprepared for what we know to be inevitable. That's called denial. Are you ready to die? Here's the point. You're not ready to live until you're ready to die. Do you know what's going to happen to you after you die? Have you believed in Christ Jesus so that you might receive the eternal life that he offers? If you do, and if you do that, should choose to do that this morning, I can assure you, you you're going to eliminate a boatload of fears that you've been living with because now you've put your trust and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the whole purpose of Christmas. It's why the whole world is going to shut down for an entire day and celebrate. The last line of that, that Christmas carol, O oh, little town of Bethlehem, goes like this, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee, are met in Jesus tonight. I asked the worship team to lead us in a song. I like the lyrics of this song. I would like you to listen to them, not just the chorus, but the verse is it's about fear. When we're done singing, I'm gonna clo- have you stand, and we're gonna, in fact, you can stand now because you sing better when you stand. When we're done singing, I'm going to close in prayer what I'm going to call a no fear prayer, a do not fear prayer. I've written it down word for word. I don't normally don't read prayers, but I'm gonna read this one because I don't wanna miss anything on this. Not only that, if you've had any anxiety or you've had any distress in your life, then I highly recommend that you pray the prayer along with me that we're going to pray at the end of this service. But more importantly, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I encourage you to allow yourself to receive the salvation that he offers you this day. Why celebrate Christmas if you don't know the God who sent his son? That's important for us to know. Doesn't make sense. Why celebrate Christmas? And not partake of the gift that He gave to you and I. Scott, go ahead and
1: lead us in this song. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song. Of deliverance from my enemy, so long my fears are gone. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave fear, I am a child of God, and from my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Been born again into your family, your blood. bow your heads
0: with me please I pray this uh, prayer I want you to dwell upon the words and just in agreement you don't have to say every word you can think it you can sense it you can feel it just in agreement say me too God I'm in agreement with what is being said there what matters is your attitude of humility before the Lord that attitude of humility just simply says God I need you Pray these words in your heart along with me. Father God, I don't want to be fearful. I want my life to be full of fear, of faith and not fear. And I admit that I've struggled with some of these fears. Inadequacy, the fear of disapproval, the fear of change, the fear of losing control, the fear of being disappointed. I've been afraid to believe. I've been afraid to trust. I've been afraid to hope. And I've even been afraid of you. And yet you tell me not to be afraid. So starting today, I surrender my life completely to you every single day. You're God and I'm not. I want what you want for my life. You know what will make me happy more than anybody else. So I ask you to help me to stop listening to the voices of fear and start hanging out with people of faith. Help me to fill my mind with music that gets the focus off of me and back onto you. Help me to base my hope on not some flimsy idea, but on the rock solid promises of God. Lord, you said that if I believe in your son I will not perish but have eternal life, and I want that. So right now, as best as I know how, I ask you to accept me into your family. I don't understand everything that this man has said, but as much as I know, I open my life up to you. I want to get to know you, and I want to know your purposes for my life. And I humbly ask these things in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'd like to thank you for coming here today. Look forward to continuing in this series, a time of hope and a time of healing. Go out and love your community. God bless you.